Hi, welcome to Pentecost Today podcast. I'm your co-host Steve Mancini, and as always, I'm joined by Alicia Hartle, who is the executive director and uh, my co-host. So, Alicia, welcome. Thank you, Steve. It is great to be with you all. We are overjoyed. We just came from Jesus 2023, which was the national leaders meeting. And so we're overjoyed to be here with you all after that incredible experience. Um, And as always, we want to open with prayer and our reading from the ECRIS Doctrinal Commission on Baptism in the Holy Spirit. So now the Caris Doctrinal Commission on Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so our quote is, Answering the question, how does baptism in the Holy Spirit impact life? So here's the answer. Here's our quote. It brings alive sacramental baptism and confirmation, deepens communion with God and with fellow Christians, and kindles evangelistic fervor and equips a person with charisms for service and mission. And so... As we come together today, we want to invite the Holy Spirit to awaken this grace in us. So we begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we magnify you, we exalt you, Father, for how your love has been poured out into the world through this current of grace of the charismatic renewal through this precious grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Father, even as we hold everyone who is listening, everyone who is joining us today before you, Father, we do ask that you would send your Spirit now to fall afresh on us, that our sacramental baptism and confirmation would be brought to life, that our communion with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would be deepened, Lord, that that our relationship with fellow Christians would be deepened, and Lord, that we would we would experience an evangelistic fervor being enkindled within us, even as you equip us with charisms for service and for mission. Lord, we even as we hold all of these graces before you, even as we ask in Jesus' name, Father, we. We just thank you and praise you, and we stand in expectant faith. We pray all of this for your glory and honor, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, Alicia, you know, you were mentioning the conference, and then your quote really struck a chord with me because that was the first time I've ever been to one of these conferences. And so I had said it before, I'm a lifelong Catholic, stepped away for a hot minute, came back, to being a Catholic, and then I'm kind of new to the charismatic movement. So going to this conference gave me a chance to witness, you know, what I think was the Holy Spirit being active in people. Now, one day we're going to have a longer discussion on a lot of things that I, no pun intended, but that I witnessed there. But it was a great conference. And before we go on, I do want to mention one thing to our listeners. We are already planning for next year's conference. That was my first conference that I've ever been to, and I will say that I got a lot out of it. I got the opportunity to, one, meet a lot of wonderful people who are filled with the Spirit, who are living this. And that's always been my challenge, is to find those people that aren't just 
saying I believe in God, aren't just saying, you know, I have the spirit in me, but are living it. I, I could tell you right now, I've never prayed that much. So Alicia, I wanted, I do want to say, you know, job well done, well done to the whole team. I don't know if you want to mention very quickly, you know, we already uh, think we have a date in a city picked out for next year. And I think yeah. you and I are going to be flying very soon to go we, visit the location. We, go for it. Go ahead. We do. We do. So yes, Steve, Steve was one of the team members who helped to really make Jesus 2023 possible. We had armies and armies of local renewal leaders and members who were serving in different capacities, St. Paul's Outreach Young Adults. We had a whole group of over 30 people who came in from the St. Louis uh, Archdiocesan Renewal Office, which was incredible. And then we had many, many board and council members who were also serving in a number of different capacities. So it was extraordinary um, to be able to serve the renewal leaders who throughout the year are just pouring themselves out in prayer groups and all kinds of different ministries, covenant communities, and just being able to come together in one place, that in itself was extraordinary. And yes, so Steve mentioned we we are planning for next year. We did make a major announcement. We are going to St. Paul, Minnesota, and the dates for that national leaders meeting next year are October 25th through October 27th, 2024. So, all right, so so now we're moving into, we want to introduce to you someone who was there at Jesus 2023. She is a very special guest. Um, Sister Anna Kiara Richardson is from Porterville, California. She has been a member of the Disciples of Our Lord Jesus Christ since 2009 and professed her perpetual vows in 2016. She has been serving on the community's vocations team for seven years, and she has been accompanying young women who desire to give their life to Jesus. And so it's our great joy to welcome you, Sister Anna Kiara. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Hello, Steve. Hello, Sister. Yeah, so, so Sister Anna Kiara, we would love to invite you just to share a little bit of your background. Our listeners now know that you are... You are a religious sister living out your vocation with the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we would love to hear some of kind of life before you discerned and, and what your background is. Yes, thank you for asking. I grew up in a Catholic family. My, my mom is a cradle Catholic and my dad is a convert. And I would say both of my parents are, are deeply spiritual. And even in some way, they were probably... They had a charismatic heart, but we never knew uh, that there was even a charismatic renewal. At least if they knew about it, they never talked about it. We didn't have the jargon for sure or run in those circles. But my mom influenced my own spirituality because she was so free to talk about the miracles in her life and the visions that she had. And my dad, I remember always hearing him talk about that moment in his life where everything changed because God touched him. I, I think perhaps we might call that baptism in the Holy Spirit, but that's the way he always he always talked about that moment in his life, um, which I think is a really beautiful way to say it. God touched me. I don't know how else to put it, but he touched me, uh, and it changed his life forever. So that's kind of the, the background of my spiritual life as far as the influence that my parents had. They tried to send me to Catholic school and my sisters as much as possible, but growing up in a, a poor family, my dad is a worker. He's a carpenter, I'm, I'm honored to say. 
So many of our tuitions were paid with furniture. He would build things for the school or for the church. And I think probably the most memorable part of my childhood regarding that, my dad's profession, is the day that he built an altar for the sisters. And before he put the top on the altar, he wrote my name in glue (laughs) and then put the top of the altar on since I was working with him that day. And I thought maybe that was my first um, witness of a prophetic action, an offering of of my life to the Lord. Now, Sister Anna, I want to ask you something because you and I met over, oh, it was over a year ago, and I went to a uh, weekend event at the Ark and the Dove. And I remember you were speaking, and you, and you talked about some of the healing things that you'd witnessed and been a part of, and you kind of mentioned it again. There are a lot of people out there that just don't think or see that God is present and that there are miracles going on every day around us. You know, you don't have to get into, like, specific miracles, you know, you, you said something, well, my, my mother, you know, the, how did you like rectify that as being young and, and you're seeing things? Was there a part of you that was a skeptic going, ah, these are coincidences, but it doesn't shake my faith? Or you, were you like, nope, these are miracles and I'm seeing them and, and that's driving then who I am and what I believe? I would say my mom's usage of the term miracles meant the providence of God. She needed something, she asked for something, and God provided And I just couldn't deny that (laughs) because I did. I saw it over and over again. Physical healings or anything of that sort, I I can't remember. I can't remember those those types of miracles. So I guess my my mom's language was much more uh, a broader understanding of God at work in our life. God present to us and very much interested in the details of our life um, and answering our prayers. Well, and obviously he was taking, and he was taking you somewhere, but you know, and you and you ended up getting there. So that not playing semantics with the word miracle, but to your point, it was something that was we needed this at this time, and it came to fruition. Ergo, for lack of a better term, it was miraculous. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it's certainly uh, intervention, certainly God's providence, certainly a sign of His love for us. It's beautiful, and Sister Anna Kiara. I I love that moment that you shared about your father writing your name on the altar, that prophetic act, that experience. That's so precious, just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It it would be wonderful to hear more of your own story as far as how you kind of came into an experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I always have a hard time kind of pinning it down to one moment, I, but I, I could share at least two moments that were important. And I think I've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit many times. I ask for it every day almost. But the first time is when I was living in California. I'm sorry, I'm from California, but I moved to Alabama. And I was living with my sister. And I somehow got connected with these Pentecostal circles. <laughs> so I started going to church in Pentecostal at a Pentecostal church, and one of those evenings, I answered one of those altar calls, and I went forward for prayer, not really knowing what to expect. I don't remember what I asked for. I don't remember how they prayed. All I remember is that I was crying. So I suppose I'm I'm certain, actually, that God touched me that night, because even though I don't know what was going on in the moment— when I came home, 
I just had a new hunger. I and and it coincided with a friend of mine back home. She just happened to send me a Bible in the mail, you know, at, at this time. And I would come home just hungry to read scripture. I moving cross country, having no friends, it was a very lonely time for me. And I think the Lord used that loneliness to become my best friend because I remember coming home from work and for like two or three hours I just go into my room and then I would just read the Bible for hours, and I felt like during that time, I started to have a relationship, have conversations with God, and I felt His closeness for the first time. I was asking Him questions, and He was uh, healing me of things and and purifying me and uh, guiding me for the first time. So I think without knowing it, that was the first maybe... (laughs) Uh, installment of the of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and as you were reading the the definition or the the reading from about baptism in the Holy Spirit when we first began, Alicia, you mentioned how it it deepens our desire for the sacramental graces and a, a, a deeper connection with the church. And I had been pondering that recently, since in my unique experience, I was not in practicing the Catholic faith at that time. But interestingly, I believe that still came as a fruit because as I grew in my prayer life, it was in reading the scripture where I felt the Lord inviting me back uh, to become a Catholic. I remember clearly reading from St. Paul, to the poor I become poor, to win the poor, to the rich I become rich so as to win the rich. I become all things to all people so as to win them for the Lord. And at the end of that, I heard in my heart, and to the Catholics, I become Catholic. And so it was this, I really believe it was in that prayer, that, that first experience of this baptism of the Holy Spirit that God began to draw me back to the church. You know, Sister Anna, it's, it's interesting because you never, you grew up, you were not faithless. In fact, you were being raised, sounds like, in a very loving, faithful, you know, Catholic home but you stepped away from the Catholic faith, but not your Christian faith. What was it that, that pushed you? I don't want to say pushed you away, but did that just draw you closer? Or was there something about the Catholic faith that wasn't fulfilling, you know, like it was missing something? What, what caused that kind of shift? Because now you kind of explain what brought it back. Yes, I guess I skipped a part. <laughs> <laughs> we all um, do. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I did walk away from the church altogether. I was 19 years old when I moved to Alabama, and it was a a very difficult time in my life, a a difficult time in my family's life. And I would say there were some disappointments um, regarding the church. It didn't seem like a very safe place for me at the time. And so I rebelled against everything for a short time, and but God in His mercy is as he revealed to me this question in my heart at 19 years old, I said, who am I? Like, am I, I, I want, on one hand, I feel like I remember the little girl who went to St. Anne's school and the goodness that I saw in her. But then on the other hand, I had this real attraction to the world. So I said, am I good? And I just do bad things or am I bad? And I, I do sometimes good things because I still like to talk to old people. I like to help, you know, these these mm-hmm. things. And it was a genuine question. I really had no idea. And I wanted to go all in, whichever side I was. I just didn't know. And so this opportunity to move in with my sister in Alabama, 
I saw it as a time to kind of ask that question, ask the Lord to answer that question for me, and a time to start over. So that's why I moved to Alabama. So I had already been away from the, the church altogether, but the Lord introduced these friends to me to draw me back to him. And in the Bible Belt, that's just the way you get back to <laughs> the Protestant churches because the Catholic faith was not very big there. But So that's, that was his way to get me back. That was the journey. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. We, we've talked before about, you know, the Lord takes us deeper when we wrestle with mm-hmm. questions, especially those core questions of who am I? What am I doing here? What did you make me for? Where am I going? You know, just these fundamental questions that everyone at some point in their life asks. And then obviously for the rest of our lives and in our walk with the Lord, the Lord just invites us to wrestle with questions and he always takes us deeper. But it's extraordinary to hear your journey, Sister Anna Chiara, just that that pressing in and, and that core question of who am I? So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. So precious. Thank you. You know, yeah, absolutely. We so we would love to hear kind of the the story of how you received your vocation, and then and then even some of what it what life and really the the mission the Lord has given to the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I met my sisters kind of by accident. I was on my way. Uh, at this point, I moved back to California, and I was on my way to visit a religious community in Louisiana. I thought, I'll make a road trip of it. I'll visit my sister. Uh, I looked at a map, and I said, okay, well, there's a Amarillo looks like about halfway between my <laughs> destination and here, so I'll find a place to stay in Amarillo. And at that very moment, I got an email that said, Sisters in Amarillo. <laughs> so so this was the disciples mm-hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ. I called them up, uh, or emailed them, rather, telling them that I was a, a young woman discerning her vocation, and I'm passing through. Um, because I had some interesting experiences with the Protestant Pentecostal churches, I told them that I'm not interested in discerning with them or joining their order. I'm just passing through and would like to know if you would put me up for the night. Well, (laughs) as they say, (laughs) the rest is history. But but in short, in short, they they showed me great hospitality. And 14 years later, (laughs) I'm still here with them. Actually, 16 years ago is when I visited visited them. But while I was there, uh, Sister Juana Teresa was the vocation directress at the time. And she talked me through some of my blocks, one of them being the kind of invasive element that I experienced um, in other circles. And she told me that Jesus is a gentleman. And when she said that, something in my heart softened. And I, and I, and I said, he is? Because I kind of felt forced, you know. And uh, she said, God wants every good gift for you, but he will not force it. So she invited me to pray if I would like to receive prayer for baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. And I went back to my room and I prayed. I, I, I really did believe in, in the, the core of me that God had led me here, that these were not coincidences and that he had a purpose for this. So I went back and I, I, I received their offer to pray for me. And 
in the middle of their chapel after Vespers, after dinner. Uh, they set up a chair, and I was surrounded by the nations of the world. <laughs> My community is very multicultural. I had so many different sisters from Mexico, Africa, Korea, Tanzania, just surrounding me, circling me, praying for me. And one sister in particular, she she approached me and she was going to kind of coach me into how to come into the gift of tongues. And all the while, I'm like, this is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But she said everything that I needed to hear. And as she spoke to me, she spoke a language that was my language, and there's no way she would have known. I, I remember her saying, you know, there are two ways to be a fool. You could be a fool for Jesus, or you can just be a plain fool. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how does she know? Because it sounded like a dare. There was a part of my past life where I couldn't refuse a dare. <laughs> and, and I felt like she was saying, you won't. You won't be a fool for Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I will. <laughs> so she mm. was... So as she was saying that, I remember telling God, I was like, there's no way she would have known to say that. You are the one speaking through her. And so it was a sign for me that he really did lead me to this moment, and he really did have this gift for me, prepared for me. And so when the sisters started to pray in tongues, it just it just came out. Like it wasn't, I know sometimes it's difficult and awkward and hesitating, but for me, it just had this, it just came out in a song, like a full language and I really, I almost attribute it to when I met uh, my friend six years ago in Alabama, and, and he told me about the way he received the gift of tongues, how he felt like it was such a gift that the Lord would do that for him, this 11-year-old little boy at the time. And when he when he spoke of it as a kindness of God to his heart, I said, I want that gift. And he said, I'll pray for you. And six years later, here I am in this chapel with the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that desire of my heart and his prayer had been growing for all those years, and it just kind of flowed out. Sister Anna, let me and, ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you though, because I again I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm fairly new to the charismatic community, and one of the repeated themes is tongues. And you know, you go back to what Paul says, and he says it's one of the lesser gifts because it's between you and God, so it doesn't necessarily... And, and by the way, I'm not saying this to be um, uh, confrontational, but, I, but I've got to ask the question. But, you know, he basically, you know, he kind of... And I'm paraphrasing. He basically says, you know, that's between you and God, so it really doesn't help the community, but it's the, it's the being able to kind of translate the tongues. But I, but I notice a lot of people... And, I, and when I was at the conference, I, re, I was talking to Father Anthony, and he said, you know, that's, that's kind of like a gateway gift. But at the same time, not everyone will receive that gift. Was that necessary? And like, if you had not received the gift of tongues, do you believe that there could have been another gift that would have sufficed, or did you feel like, no, this is the one? Because, for a lack of better term, it's a tangible gift. Like, I can see there's something. Like, I'm doing something different that I couldn't do. Therefore, there is a tangible gift. Ergo. I am now baptized, God has given me something, I've been touched, and off I go. I mean, how do you kind of rectify that? Because not everyone, I do not believe everyone will be given the gift of tongues, but they may not be giving a, a tangible gift or may not even interpret the gifts that they're given as being something unique and special. So I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really fair question. You know, I said well, six, that six years prior to the prayer that I want that, that was a 
uh, one time in my life that I said that. Every other moment in my life, I was arguing with other Pentecostals saying, why don't you just be quiet? Like, it seems like every benefit you get from tongues, you could just get from silence. Like, I don't, like, I was fighting. Like, you were very polite. I was not so polite. (laughs) (laughs) And I was definitely arguing with people for a long time about it. And so even after I received it, and so at the moment, I didn't want it. Like, my flesh, at least, part of me was like, I don't really want it. I think it was the deepest part of me that did want it because I believed that God wanted it and had it for me. So my desire was that I would receive anything from the hand of God, no matter what it was. And if it was the gift of tongues, then so be it. If it's from the hand of God, then I want it. Later, when I prayed about it, I remember telling the God, telling God, you know, I received this quickly enough, but if if it doesn't bear fruit, I can just stop. Like I kind of threatened God, like I'll just stop if it doesn't bear fruit. And I had a real conversation with him with this, like Felicia said earlier, wrestling. I, I'm I'm a big wrestler with <laughs> with God, and so I I asked, I, I felt like the Lord asked me in my wrestling, well, how many how many languages do you think there are in the world? And I said, I don't know, however many nations there are, however many languages you created at the Tower of Babel. I don't know. And, I mean, disclaimer, private revelation. I'm only saying what I felt like God spoke in my heart. But I felt like he said to me, there are more. I have created a language, a prayer language, for every single person who would have one with me. In your language, you've lied, you've cursed, you've gossiped, you've committed so many sins in your language, but I deserve to be praised with a pure tongue. And when I saw, like, because I had always had this conflict in me, like one day I'm arguing with my mom and the next minute I'm praising God. And I always felt kind of like a hypocrite, like, well, out of the same tongue comes blessing and curses. and, And I felt like God solved the problem for me. Like, wow, he was so gracious that he created a whole new language for me so that I could Mm. praise him as he is worthy. And I said, if that's the only fruit that ever comes from it, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this gift. And I was so grateful um, that he would give me what I needed to praise him uh, as he uh, deserved. So in short, I don't, yeah, I'm sure not everybody will receive the gift of tongues, but I felt like God saying I would not refuse anyone mm-hmm. who would have this gift mm-hmm. it is it's uh, uh thank you for sharing your story i think we see oftentimes there's a question we see on the day of pentecost the spirit coming like tongues of fire and and this receiving of the gift of tongues the speaking in in tongues and obviously that was that was a gift of glossolalia you know the the excuse me it was a gift of tongues where people from other nations were understanding so it was actually a very missional gift that was given but even within tongues it's it's interesting we just had a a question come in on one of the youtube videos where father boniface hicks is talking about the gift of tongues and and it's it's such a distinguishing factor whether we say Praying in tongues, we mean a personal prayer language, versus speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. which is a missional uh, evangelistic gift, versus interpretation of tongues. So 
just just even for people listening who say this is all new to me <laughs> what does this mean <laughs> what is this gift many many have especially you see in the early church many will refer to the gift of tongues and this this heavenly language oftentimes is a an infused contemplation which is so beautiful mm-hmm. just kind of even what you're just sharing sister of that like why why not just be silent there is a grace of this almost infused contemplative grace that the lord gifts to us mm-hmm. and it's true that the gifts are given by the lord and so he gives as he the spirit gives as the spirit desires so we we simply receive we one day we'll have a podcast totally devoted to <laughs> Totally devoted to the gift of tongues, maybe wow. maybe even a series, because there's so many questions that come in about the gift, and all oh, the gifts are mysterious, but but yes, it's it's beautiful to hear your story and to hear how the Lord gifted that to you, and even your openness and docility in receiving. And I, so I've had the opportunity to pray in evening prayer and adoration, and and oftentimes. Uh, the disciples are praying, singing in the Spirit in unity. And I know that's just one of the ways and the graces that really the the grace of the charismatic renewal and the gifts of the Spirit are kind of infused into the life and mission of the sisters. But it would be great if you could share with us, Sister Anna Kiara, a little bit more about the life of the community, especially if people are saying, you know, I, I, I don't know the disciples. How how were they born out of the charismatic renewal? How how does that work in everyday life? It would be great for those joining us to hear a little bit more. Yes, yes. Well, in brief, uh, Mother John Marie um, was a Methodist before she converted to the Catholic faith. And uh, during the time of her conversion back to the Lord, which happened by the prayers of another sister, and uh, Mother John Marie returned to the faith And I think the Lord, God touched her, as my dad would say, and he touched her so profoundly that she threw all of her degrees down the incinerator and said, I only want to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so God began to call Dorothy Stewart into a deep life of contemplation, and he began to speak to her heart of a new community. And around that same time, she happened to meet some charismatic people Uh, One woman was testifying to her broken arm being healed in six days because somebody prayed over her. So that's how Mother John Marie knew about the charismatic renewal. She had some obstacles to overcome also with the gift of tongues, but ultimately received into a a full life of a life in the Spirit, including the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, which would later become part of our mission statement. So the reason God raised up the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ was to pray, to praise Him, and to evangelize. So our mission statement says that we seek to draw all people into a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. And we do so by the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. So in everything that we do, we rely absolutely um, on God's strength, especially when actually we first rely on our strength and that runs out, then, then of course, we, we have no other option than to rely on God's strength. So that means that most of our teachings, even if, even if somebody asks us for like a parish mission um, on a certain topic, very often, if not always, we will share about what the Holy Spirit can do for us, who he is in our lives. And we ourselves will operate 
at the end of our ministries, my favorite time is the prayer ministry where we will ask the Lord to give us prophecies or we'll pray for healing and we'll pray in tongues over somebody, always always under the ministerial guidelines of the, the diocese and our community and as the person is comfortable. But we always want to make that available for them. Yeah. Sister Anna, let's, uh, we only have a few minutes, but I, what I want to do is I want to give our listeners a chance. If they want to go learn more, if they want to kind of see what you're up to, real quickly, where are you at? What are you working on some projects? And uh, how can people maybe reach out and, and kind of learn more about what you're doing? Yes, our mother house is in the Diocese of Amarillo, Texas. Uh, you can reach us at our website, www.dljc.org. You'll see, you'll see all the different places where the sisters go. We have a Facebook page. One of the things we're doing, praise be Jesus, is we're building a new chapel because we believe that God is um, doing something new. Uh, Our Lady of the Angels, we're almost done. It should be done by Christmas, and we are very close to finishing our capital campaign. So that's one of the, the big projects that we're about right now. It will include an infirmary wing for some of our older sisters. Also, currently, um, myself and another sister will be spending the whole month in Poland, actually, in November. We're leaving in a, less than a two weeks here. And we're just going to see if that might be a, a place where God might invite us to open a new house. But we'll be there discerning. So prayers for the mission, please. Prayers for the finishing of our chapel so that we can continue to welcome new members, to praise God, and to welcome them into our community, and as we join the community of angels praising Him. Beautiful. Sister Anna Kiara, thank you so much for sharing your witness, your testimony, for inviting us into discovering more of the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we would love to invite you to maybe share one thing that you took away from Jesus 2023, the national leaders meeting this past weekend uh, with those who are tuning in. And then can we invite you to pray for all who are joining us? Yes, yes. The weekend was beautiful. The weekend was beautiful. And I don't want to embarrass you, Alicia, but the one, my one real takeaway that I shared when I got home was Alicia believes in prayer. <laughs> I just saw so clearly like all the, the footwork that, that you've been doing behind the scenes and all the people that you have interceding. And just to see it really come to fruition at this conference, I just felt like that the Lord touched every element of life in the spirit that he wanted to give to his church. And I really felt like it was a fruit of prayer and your belief that prayer works, um, that God listens to us. So um, that was kind of my takeaway. I hope I don't embarrass you, but um, that's one of my reflections. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, we magnify the Lord. We did have incredible intercessors interceding long before we took any steps of action yeah. to plan and prepare. So all glory to God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So I pray for your listeners. Is that what I'm doing? Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you so much. And we do desire more of you. Lord, I ask that right now you would expand our hearts, that every single person listening here, that if you 
touch them if they perceived your closeness or if they perceived a nudging or an inspiration. Lord, that right now you would press into that and that you would expand our hearts to receive more of you because we need more of you. Lord, help us to know your love, the plan that you have for us, and that you will supply all of our needs, that you are God with us. And Lord, I just ask for your blessing to be upon every single listener and all their families, that you would draw each one of them closer to you through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Sister Anna. We appreciate that. Alicia, thank you very much. And to our listeners, uh, we encourage you, obviously, to continue to pray every day. You look at the state of the world, look at the state of society, look at some of our moral decay, and the only way we're going to win in the end is through prayer, through God's divine providence, to trust his plan. As God says, you know, to pray through his son, Jesus Christ, pray every day, continue to prayer. Don't let up. Don't quit. It's the only way that we're going to win in the end. So I encourage you to continue to pray. And if that's one thing I took away from this weekend is that uh, you cannot pray too much. I'd also like to mm-hmm. encourage you that if you want to learn more about our organization, please go out to PentecostTodayUSA.org. Again, that's PentecostTodayUSA.org. Go out there. We've got a lot of information. Get a hold of us. Alicia did mention something I thought was very interesting. I, I am... Just absolutely, for some reason, I don't want to say obsessed, but I am just fascinated to learn more about the gift of tongues. I've read about it all those years reading the Bible, never saw it. I'm seeing it, and I'm still scratching my head trying to figure it out. So I would encourage you, that if you have, if you do have questions, please reach out to us. Maybe we can do exactly that, is put a show together and answer your questions on anything. You know, the one thing that uh, I know especially Alicia's got is a lot of contacts who are the leading theologians and, and, and you know clergy, non-clergy, lady-alike, that can really speak to a lot of these things. I know I'm learning a lot, a lot of resources. In fact, Sister Anna, I don't know if you probably remember this, but I when I met you, one of the things I did was I came up and said, what can I read? And you gave me a couple books, and I went off and read them, and I picked up on things that made me go, huh, I didn't know that. So there's a lot of good information out there. Again, I encourage you to go out to our website, PentecostTodayUSA.org. Otherwise, we want to thank you for listening. We hope you have a blessed day, and we appreciate your time as always. Mm